Did you, I can't believe you just opened a soda while we were recording. You're not Justin Mack, you, you can't just I get away with talking. that. Why do you think I wasn't talking, Darian? So you can edit it out. <laughs> well, I appreciate your consideration to my editing time. Hello, mortals, monsters, and myth lovers alike. You're listening to Podcast of Poseidon, where we explore how ancient myths become modern pop culture by reading Rick Riordan's Percy Jackson and the Olympians. This is Chapter 22, Charybdis and Scylla. I'm your co-host on loan from the Hunters of Artemis, Darian Smart. Joining me is my co-host and brother, hailing from Sicily, DJ. How's everybody doing today? Sicily, if you don't know, is an area in Italy. I think it's that pizza, right? Um... I think you're I'm, thinking I'm, of n- n- Naples. Hold on, give me a second, guys. And I- no, it is. It's it's the it's the pizza slice that he's kicking. The boot is kicking. That's Sicily. Oh, oh, oh! That's what you meant. I thought you said there. There, it's the pizza, and I'm like, I. Th- no, it's the pizza slice that the boot is kicking. Okay, all right, I misunderstood. Well, I I can't recover from that, so let's just go ahead and go to the camp store real quick. <laughs> Hey, DJ. What's up? So on this very podcast, we have demonstrated that you clearly remember our 2009 family vacation to Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida, better than I do. Yeah, I remember that. So and you, we also specifically talked about how you remembered our Epcot leg of the trip and how you were very, in our Poseidon episode, pointed out that, no, we did go to Nemo and the Living Seas. We did. We did do that. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but we did not... Go into go the Space big... Mountain because it was fucking closed. Yeah, we didn't do that. No, that was at Magic Kingdom. We're talking about Epcot. Davis, sorry, stay on target. Um, look, it's been what 12 years now, and I'm <laughs> still mad about that. That's fair. Anyway. <laughs> Space Mountain is incredible, anyway. So, but we did not go into the Epcot ball, right? Nope, no, oh no, we did. Yeah, we did. We went to the Epcot ball. What's inside of it? It was, at that time, Inventions of the Future or something like that. Oh, God, did we? Yes. Okay, but it's a ride. We didn't go on the ride. Yes, we did. It was like a sit-down ride that they take you through, and there's a whole bunch of fucking shit around you. Wait, did we ride Spaceship Earth? (laughs) Probably. Huh, okay. I also remember, like, a Mars ride that we did that was really cool that had, like, G-forces and shit. Yeah, Mission Space. That was yeah. not. I know. Mission, I was no Mission Space was not in the ball. Mission Space was, it was in another in part. Ball. Of, it was another no, part of that. No, but we crap. went we in the. Were, we went in the ball and we rode that ride because I remember that ride. I was stoked about that ride. That's what got me kind of really into technology. Jesus, well, Davis. Well, that ruins <laughs> my do, entire bit. Nine-year-old Davis remembered better than what? 13, 14 year fourteen-year-old Darian. <laughs> oh. Well, I was going to say, well, we never got to write it, but there's a great new podcast you can listen to, and their very first episode talks all about it. But apparently... We did write that. <laughs> I don't remember it at all. So I definitely have to... Th- I wrote it. I don't know if you did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe yeah, I went I somewhere you else. Around, I think you were hanging out with mom and somebody else, and I went with dad and somebody <gasps> else. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Oh. I think that's right. Okay, redemption. I think that's why we have a little bit different thing. And I went to Nemo with mom and Jared. And you and I think Johnny were not interested in that. So you went to do something else with dad. Oh, my God. That makes me feel so much better. So I, I didn't forget the trip. We just literally had different experiences at the damn park. So if you're like me and you never <laughs> rode Spaceship Earth. Or you're like DJ and you did ride Spaceship Earth, but it's been pretty long time. Or if you just like theme parks, have we got the show for you? Heck yeah. It's called The Standby Line, and it's hosted by Tim O'Connor, our God-tier patron, and AJ, his buddy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. AJ, his buddy sounds demissive. We just don't know your last name. Sorry, AJ. Know, yeah, sorry. Like it's, but he's very funny. I believe it. I believe the guy's yep. hilarious. I haven't listened to it myself. It sounds fun. The very first episode of Standby Land is available right now. You can listen to it on Apple Podcast, and it will be available on other podcatchers in the coming weeks. So just keep checking back. But go follow them on Facebook, on Twitter to, to keep updates. But yeah, it's super funny. And to prove it, here's a clip. When we get to the descent, they decided to add actual scenes to that now. It's instead of just 80s lights and children singing. 
And the first scene is one that, like, I've never understood it. And when I watch it today, now, uh, uh, from a, a video where I could see the full loop and everything they were doing, I understand it even less. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. So I... the best I can describe it is it's a scene of some kids in a classroom and their teacher is having them do an assignment that I think is about evolution. So they start off as a bee and then a little bit later they decide to change into a dragonfly. And then they go into space and become a spaceship, but they're still on the bug theme. So, so like, oh, we should make all the spaceships look like bugs and stuff. I'm very excited because I love theme parks. I love podcasts. I love theme park podcasts. And I love Tim because he's just super cool. So I'm so excited to be able to listen to a podcast with all of those things together. Big fan of theme parks and podcasts myself. I haven't listened to any theme park podcasts. I'm going to check them out. But... Well, you're going to listen to Standby Line. Uh, yeah, I'll check it out. Do you want to try that line one more time? No, I, I think I'm going to run with that one. Okay. <laughs> uh, one more time, that is the Standby Line with Tim and AJ. And now, back to the show. All right, DJ, Charybdis, and Skilla. Big players in... Huge. Huge. Well, physically. Actually physically huge. Actually huge. Uh, You know, you don't hear much about Charybdis, honestly. I hear very little. I hear more about Scylla, but that's also because she's in Smite. Yeah, you you run in certain crowds. Yeah. So, DJ, let's talk specifically, Sea of Monsters. What do you remember about Charybdis and Scylla? I remember uh, that they... They choose to go to Scylla, and then the shit blows up. <laughs> because Scylla starts attacking and pulling men off the boat. Mm-hmm. And it hits the boat, and Tyson's got to go down and start trying to f- like delay the explosion. And then they explode, and then they blast off. And I think they land on the island of Circe. Well, you got the second half right. And you got the Tyson part right. Was it Charybdis? Well, okay, so... <laughs> I only know because I just went through this doing the research. What happens is they have to, they, uh, so as we talked about in the Hydra episode, Monster Donut. Yep. Then Clarice shows up. And they get on yep. Clarice's fucking Civil War Confederate Ironside ship. Whatever. Then we're getting, we're heading to the Sea of Monsters, heading to the Bermuda Triangle, and we learn that the only way into the Sea of Monsters is between. Charybdis and Skella. It doesn't matter what direction you come from, they will appear in your path. Because magic? Mist? Magic, mist, magic whatever. Mist. And it is Clarice's plan to go towards Charybdis and use her cannons that did just kill a Hydra to blow her up. <laughs> it's a very Clarice Ares plan. Yes, yes. Especially considering that Charybdis is a whirlpool. She's, yeah. She's a she's just a fucking whirlpool. Yeah, it's a little little strange that uh, that choice. Mm-hmm. She clearly didn't have enough information. No, yeah, uh, Cer- uh not Cersei. Clarice's whole thing <laughs> is well she's like Charybdis is a monster who creates the whirlpool. So we'll just shoot at her in the middle of her whirlpool and and just blow her back to Tartarus and then sail on through just fine. But it's very clear that that plan is not working. And so then they start to try to like pull the boat back, but the ship's not designed for that pressure. So that's when Tyson goes underneath. But then they sail too close to Scylla, which is when she starts pulling people off the boat and the boat explodes. So (laughs) So they just get the two... So they oh still God. had to deal with both of them. And it didn't end well for, well, I mean, it actually does end well for, like, Percy and Annabeth and mostly Tyson. Mostly Tyson, who gets to just hang out with his hippocampy friend for most yeah, of the story. Hang out with Rainbow yeah. for, a lot of, for a long time until they show back up on Police Misses. Yeah, they get a skip all of, like... 
the Cersei stuff, all of the Siren stuff, like all of that stuff that they have to deal with. They just get to skip to the end of the adventure. So they've just been having a fun, I'd like to yep. think, fun. Just vibing. Just vibing. Fun tropical cruise. Because Tyson is a Cyclops, so monsters aren't going to bother him. Yep. And he's a son of Poseidon. And he's a son of Poseidon, so, so he's fine out there. He's just hanging out. Mm-hmm. Relaxing. Meanwhile, you know. <laughs> Percy's a guinea pig. Percy's turned to a guinea pig. Annabeth has to deal with some trauma. It's not fun for everybody. It's pretty, pretty, pretty harsh. Pretty harsh vibe. Harsh the vibe, and we definitely say that Charybdis and Scylla only bring harsh vibes to the table. They're not. Yeah. They're not chill. They they truly aren't, Mm-mm. man. Why can't they just? I mean, honestly, Scylla's a pain in the dick to deal with and smite as well. I I can imagine. I can imagine, just from her description. And just dealing with her in the sea monster and in the Odyssey because they're from the Odyssey, y'all. It's Percy Jackson does the Odyssey, so here we go. Yeah, essentially, all except for like Calypso, which he saves for later. Yeah, we just do like we'll do Calypso later, which wise plot wise, I agree with it, but also it's just the Odyssey, y'all. Well, it's okay. It's just the Odyssey. Here's the thing: I, we all we say I I've we said many times it's just the Odyssey, and this is true. But technically, it's just the Odyssey and also the Argonauts because, hey, guess who also dealt with Charybdis and Scylla? Yeah, Jason and the Argonauts. Yep, Jason and the Argonauts. Now, they had a way more chill time because Hera was, like, on Jason's side. And so they were able just to sail between these two monsters. Totally chill. Totally fucking chill. And on their yeah. quest to get the Golden Fleece. So we should probably acknowledge that Sea of Monsters is also Percy does the Argonauts. Which, okay, yeah, I didn't Percy like how that sounded, actually. Monsters. <laughs> I huh. Would like to retract that statement. Percy follows the Argonauts. It's not as fun as Percy does the Odyssey. Yeah. Hey, is is Charybdis a monster or just a giant ass whirlpool? Now, it's got a name, mm-hmm. so it's clearly a monster. And it's I, I did a little bit of research. It's oh. born from the hate and malice of human, as well as uh, oh no, wait. <laughs> I'm getting my actual lore mixed up with my anime. I was about to say, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, not in a bad way. Like, you know, we talk about retellings all the time, but I was just like, so thrown for a loop. Like, wait, what, what, what? Charybdis shows up in that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Oh, shit. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) Totally. Put a pin in it. it. Put a pin in it. We'll, Put a pin in it. We'll get back. We will to get it. back to it. So, uh, it's it's got a name and it's very consistent. So yeah, it's a monster. It's a monster. Yeah, yeah. I I think you're right. It took a little digging because sometimes it is like it's just this terrible whirlpool, and I'm like, so is it actually a a monster? But I think one of the elements, especially in Sea of Monsters, is that it sucks things in and then it spits it back out, and that's and very consistently, like you said, it's consistent, and and whirlpools don't tend to behave that way. No. It's not like the the black hole from Treasure Planet. <laughs> I can't believe we're 22 uh, episodes in. It's the first time I've talked about Treasure Planet. It hasn't come it up. It hasn't come up. It really should. It's my favorite. This is the first time that they're doing sailing. So, like, Treasure Planet, of course. It's no, obviously. Up. So, yeah. So, yeah. Charybdis is a monster. And like monsters, they've got origin stories, which I love. I love that... This stuff is so old and was around for so long that eventually what was probably just a monster eventually gets orders. Like, eventually, that obscure character from that Batman comic 20 years ago is going to get a fleshed out fucking origin story because some new writer got their hands on it. And I love it. I love that human storytelling. It's always very good when that happens. Mm -hmm. Just a good time. So, in Sea of Monsters, Clarice describes... Charybdis and Scylla as sisters, Ooh-hoo. which is a fascinating choice on on Rick Riordan's part because that's 
not really an element from either of their mythologies. Like, that's a very small, like, kind of one-off. Maybe they were sisters, but they both have, like, pretty big histories that are separate from one another. Uh Uh-huh. So, Charybdis is the elder of these two monsters, and was the said to be the daughter of two primordial deities, Pontus, the sea, and, and Gaia, Earth. Earth yep. mm, as such, she is just a basically primordial ethereal force, basically the embodiment of a whirlpool and the devastation it can cause, which makes sense because very likely the original inspiration for the Charybdis myth was actual fucking monster whirlpools that Greek sailors had to deal with. (laughs) Imagine just not having a big-ass ship that can sail right through a whirlpool. I can't imagine I would be happy to see a whirlpool even if I wasn't a big-ass ship. True, yeah. They're scary. Like, whirlpools are fucking... Nature is terrible. Water is scary! (laughs) Nature is horrifying. Nature is horrifying. 100%. It is not, like, natural disasters... We cannot prep for properly. No, we can prep no. to run. We will, we will absolutely get destroyed if this world uh, decides it's tired of us. Have you have you ever seen lava in person? I can imagine it's horrifying. I visiting mom when she was in living in Hawaii years ago. We went up to the volcano on the Big Island that is active. That's an active fucking volcano we went up there and while we were up there the sun went down and we were able to go up on this like observation deck where you can see into the crater and (laughs) you can see lava just leaping into the air just absolute fucking that sounds and yeah no it's it's really cool and it's glowing like it's so hot and it's so bright that it looks like a sunrise when you look at it, when you're not near the lava and if you're like down lower and you look up where it's at, it looks like mm-hmm. it's bright. And so, yeah, absolutely. Of course, a people living in the area would see that and be like, that's a goddess. That's a fucking powerful goddess. Don't fuck with her. Yeah. And that's what nature Pele. is. Careful. Careful. Pele mad. Yeah, she, don't. No. <laughs> Do not disrespect the goddess. Yeah, she will. Lava eventually turns into land and that's all great and stuff. But like, Fuck. Not to be trifled with. Not what this episode is about, but Not what this episode nature is, about. is scary. Nature is horrifying. Mm-hmm. So then we have Scylla, who... Well, okay, so I should, I should finish up with Charybdis. So yes, yeah, so Charybdis is like considered to be a minor goddess of the tides, but I'm pretty sure if you told her that to her face, her mouth... She would hit you for calling her a goddess. And then she would eat you. Yeah. Because, you know... She would, as according to myth, thrice each day, draw in and push out gigantic sums of water. So obviously, if you got drawn in, you're going to get destroyed in the waves. And if you're nearby when she pushes out that water, you'll get destroyed by the tidal wave she's just created. By the fucking tsunami that she has just created. There's no good at being around. It's bad. uh, Now... We also have, okay, so then we have Scylla, who these two obviously are, are told together, paired together, because they are in, in myth, and they're supposedly right next to each other in these stories, so that's why they get to be together. It'd be weird to do an episode about one and not the other. That just doesn't feel right. Yeah. It'd be like doing an episode about just Waldorf and not Statler. Like, these Muppets belong together. I have no idea who those Muppets are. They're the grumpy old man Muppets in the Ah, the gallery. I love them. Best. The best Muppets. Absolutely ripping into the Muppets. It's hilarious. Always. Constantly. Always. They're the grumpy old men. So it was said that sometimes Scylla was the daughter of Charybdis, but more commonly she was said to be the daughter of Phorcys, who was an early sea god, and his wife Cato, who were... Actually, parents of a lot of monsters, including the Gorgon and the Grey Sisters. So, hmm. you know, pretty common monstrous backstory. Scylla's in good company here. Nice. 
But here's what's interesting is that later Greek and Roman writers really, really, really like to take these monsters and give them tragic backstories of of beautiful women turned into these horrible beings. Um, mm-hmm. Of course. Yep. So despite the oldest traditions saying that they were like both born monsters, those earliest traditions also always referred to them as she. They were identified as as female monsters. So for Charybdis, her tragic backstory TM retrofit is that she was the daughter of Poseidon. And as like this minor ocean goddess, she flooded the land to expand uh-huh. Poseidon's realm. Which pissed off Zeus, who, you know, angry that she had stolen land from him, basically, captured her, chained her to the bottom of the ocean, and transformed her into a hideous monster with an insatiable appetite to just consume. Of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why wouldn't that be the uh <laughs> why wouldn't that be the case? Yep, yep. Uh in some myths, Charybdis was a woman who stole oxen from Heracles. And in punishment, Zeus struck her with a lightning bolt, turning her into a monster, and that's where the ferocious appetite ties in. But yeah. So if we go with that first one, that's that's Percy's half-sister. It is. It is Percy's half-sister. Is that monster. Yep. Down at the depths. Uh, now, Scylla's tragic backstory TM comes from Ovid's Metamorphosis. Where you could say that, like, yeah, was Zeus over the top with his punishment for Charybdis? Absolutely. Uh, but she still, like, was responsible for what went down. Yeah, she was taking land. Yeah, she was, like, getting... I mean, Poseidon maybe could have done more like, to help his kid, but... Yeah. Oh, very hands-off dad, as we know. Yes. Skillis, not so much. So, basically, sometimes she's identified as, like, the daughter of King Nisus, who fell in love with Minos and then betrayed her kingdom. But that Skilla usually ends up getting turned into an eagle at the end of her myth, so it's probably a different person. Yeah. The Skilla of the monster of the Odyssey story is likely, well, likely, you know. In Metamorphosis was a sea nymph. According to Edith Hamilton's mythology... Scylla was a beautiful water nymph who a minor ocean god, minor sea god Glaucus, falls in love with Scylla, who is a water nymph. Glaucus is, like, basically your generic mer dude. Half man, half, like, fishtail at the bottom. And so yep. when Scylla sees him, she's like, whoa, dog, what the fuck? Like, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not vibing on that. Please leave me alone. And so she bails. But Glaucus is so in love with her and so just madly heartbroken that they can't be together that he goes to Cersei and is like will you give me a love potion so she'll fall in love with me which is fucked up yeah that's pretty bad not not a cool look you could just get to know her interests take her out for a cup of coffee take no for an answer whatever yeah yeah but uh unfortunately for poor Scylla Cersei was also in love with this fish boy because she's got mad merman-like fantasies. So Cersei, being a sorceress, whom we will definitely talk about very soon, turns Scylla into a horrible monster. Yeah. To uh, quote, (laughs) quoting Edith Hamilton's mythology, she prepared a vial of very powerful poison and, going to the bay where Scylla bathed, she poured into it the baleful liquid. As soon as Scylla entered the water, she changed into a frightful monster, out from where her body grew serpents and fierce dogs' heads. The beastly forms were part of her. She could not fly from them or push them away. She stood there, rooted to a rock in her un- unutterable miserably, hating and destroying everything that came into her reach, a peril to all sailors who passed near her, as Jason and Odysseus and Aeneas found out. 
Yeah, that sounds about that's right. A, that's a that's a bummer. That's a real bummer. Yeah. I should probably talk about what is going on in the fucking Odyssey. Like, directly. Uh, but if you've heard the Odyssey once, you've heard it a thousand times. <laughs> yes, but the... <laughs> How so? Okay, well, here's here's a question then, DJ. Do you know how Odysseus gets past Scylla and Charybdis? Honestly, I don't. All know. right, we're gonna refer to uh, Emily. <laughs> we're gonna refer to Emily Wilson's translation of the Odyssey. <laughs> All right. So Odysseus is vibing on Circe's island, yep. right? And finally, he's like. I gotta go. And so he asks Cersei, hey, uh, well, he doesn't ask her. What is what happens here exactly? So Cersei's finally like, okay, you, I'm gonna let you go. You can leave my island because she's been keeping him there. It's her MO. But yeah. she warns him that he will have to pass between Scylla and Charybdis, right? This terrible beast and this terrible whirlpool. And she tells him that she should go closer to Scylla because since it's better to lose six men than all of them. Because he warns her that Scylla's heads will come down and devour six men from his ship. Yeah, that makes sense. And so then, so he's like, so so Odysseus is like, come on, isn't there another way? Can't I like avoid them and not have Scylla eat my men? To which... Cersei, who is described as a goddess in this translation, which I, I love a lot, says, No, you fool. Your mind is still obsessed with the deeds of war, but now you must surrender to the gods. She is not mortal. She is deathless, evil, terrible, wild, and cruel. You cannot fight her. The best solution and the only way is flights. And basically, it's like, you better move fast because if you don't get away after she takes six men, she'll take six more. Mm-hmm. So... Why are you saying Poseidon? Odysseus and his men sail out. He instructs them to avoid the giant whirlpool and whirlpool. go near the rocks. He does not tell them about Scylla, though, because, you know, to quote, I did not mention Scylla since she meant inevitable death. And if they knew, the men would drop their oars and go huddled down in the hold in fear. I then ignored Circe's advice that I should not bear arms. It was too hard for me. I dressed myself in glorious armor. In my hands, I took two long spears, and I climbed up the forecastle. I thought that Rocky Scylla would appear from that direction to destroy my men. Psych. Nope, she doesn't. She just comes the other way and eats six dudes, and Odysseus is standing there looking like an idiot for no reason. Yeah. So, uh. This is not a great guy. Not a great guy. Not a great guy. They, uh. <laughs> she eats his men. They die screaming. It's horrifying. And the men are about pretty, uh, morale is pretty low after this point, as you might imagine. Morale is almost always low throughout the Odyssey. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> not, a, not, not exactly a great team building experience, the Odyssey. No. Well, do you have anything more to add about the story of Scylla and Charybdis? Mm. No, I, that that mostly covers the, the, the myths of them. Uh, they eventually... Early on in the myth, they were just like generic. Oh, they're out in the ocean somewhere. But in time, they became like very centralized to the Strait of Messina, which, you Mm -hmm. know, Italian channel in the Mediterranean Sea separating Sicily Sicily. and Italy. So, you know, Davis, how convenient. It's like right near where you've been. Wild. I've been through it a couple of times. Good for you. How do you get through? Flight. I fly. You just, I fly, you just fly in a plane or a on plane like Daedalus's wax wings. Is, it's just a plane. You just I'm, this is the 21st century. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna run the risk of taking a ferry through the Strait of Messina. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's 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 tight. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Um. I did. I'm going to talk about Scylla and Smite real quick. Please do. No, please do. Yes, let's get to some pop culture uh, stuff. Here. I'm going to go ahead and send you a picture. Of, I've pressed the wrong button. 
go ahead and take a look at this is how this is how they've decided to portray Scylla in Smite. Wow, that's a choice. That's it's a choice. It is one hundred percent a choice. Does uh, she have it's legs? Not a choice that I super agree with. No. So what's below her? Uh huh. As as that myth read, where the monsters grew out of her body, are those dogs? Oh, like, like those are the serpent snake dogs. dogs. Oh, I don't, I yeah. don't like. So they just snogs. they're just don't like under the snogs. The, they're just under the ground, and like she, when she walks, you could it's you could hear like you could hear her footsteps, Mm-mm. but then when you jump, it's just like the fucking tendrils coming out of her body. That's horrifying. Uh, it's horrifying. She's a pain in the ass to deal with because she does so much fucking damage. She can, like, take a tank down to a quarter of his health. Wow. With, like, one cycle of her abilities. It's annoying as fuck. I, I, should, I should describe for our listeners what, what she looks like inside. So this image Davis had sent me is of a small child, looks around eight years old, dressed like some sort of kind of warrior princess vibe, but very, like, she's an eight-year-old, so it's not like, you know, we're not looking at, like, any sort of Xena. Uh, yeah. Red soja, red soja thing, uh, but surrounding her are these uh these these snogs, these these snake dogs, these serpent wolves that you yes. you can't see her feet, but as DJ has just explained, these are she she has no legs. These are her legs. Is it like a Medusa Gorgon thing? Are they like snakes? Are these do these dogs have uh, their own like sentience? Or are they just like limbs of? They hers? have their own sentience. Interesting. They have their own sentience, which is. Uh, can be used as like some fun things and some horrifying things. She talks to them. Each of them have a name. Oh, um, I kind of like that, but I also hate it. Let's see if it's on this wiki. Uh, they're named after like Greek heroes. When on one of her abilities, she sends out two of the dogs, and they grab and like root somebody in place. And it uh, she sends it, like she's like Ajax, Achilles, go. I. I like that they're named uh, after Greek heroes and not like Fluffy Spot. It's actually there's a skin that does that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's called Child's Play. She's just a small child in like a nightgown, right? A nightgown. Uh huh. And her snake dogs are now all stuffed animals. Oh God, that's right. She's got a lion one. She's got. Hold on, let me pull it up. The names of the dogs. Or the names of the plushies are Fitz Fluffy Bottoms, Mrs. Squiggles, Sir Pounce-A-Lot, and Crocaboo. Croca- I kind of like Crocaboo. I actually I love Crocaboo. I'm 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 feeling Crocaboo. I oh she's got a little red skin too, which I actually really liked a lot. Oh, I think I've seen that one. I think you showed me that one. That one's really cool. It's not showing me the names. Of her dogs, which is a little rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like all I can remember is Ajax and Achilles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as I was, I was reading her lore that they have attached, which is pretty cool. Tell me. It's. Uh, I'll just start at the top. Ancient poems warn of a narrow channel of water so treacherous that death touches all who approach. Sailors must choose to risk their ship traveling across the monstrous whirlpool Charybdis. Or instead, hug the rocky shoals where dwells a creature some say is made from the nightmares of all men. Mm. Scylla, they call her, horror of the sea. No ship that dares sail in her waters goes unscathed. Those that cling to survival whisper panicked tales of of enormous black tentacles tipped with slavering hound heads, ravaging whole ships to splinters with pitiless precision. Though it's her laughter, they say, that's most horrible. Childlike, delighting in blood-soaked murder as men are dragged into the dark abyss. Poets have tried to romanticize this beast to provide some humanity to her monstrosity. They write write she was once a beautiful naiad, Mm. wronged by a jealous priestess and transformed. Yet the old poems say she was born this way, beget by gods, full of jealousy and loathing, dropped into the sea to terrorize mankind. Hey, that's accurate. Yeah, right? Would that she had remained in the sea, but that but the nightmare has come ashore. Dragged by dog-headed uh, tentacles, she roams our streets, plucks us from our beds, and fills the night with disturbing laughter. Oh my God. Scylla has come, and not even gods can help us. That's cool. I always love the lore that they put down for 
the uh, gods in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always a good sign. I appreciate that they acknowledge that, like, oh, what's the, here's here's a here's like you know what poets did. But if you look back, if you check the receipts, um, yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, that ending is terrifying. Holy fuck, that ending is ter- that's dark. Yeah. They always add like a fun twist as to why they're here, <laughs> why they're on the battleground. Is she just there for fucking funsies? Uh, she's there to terrorize. Oh yeah, okay. So for fun, she's the horror of the deep. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Okay, okay. Except she doesn't actually come from the deep ocean. She hangs out on a rock. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, she's a pain in the dick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's got a big old massive damage ult, and if she kills someone with it, it comes back, and she gets to use it. <gasps> oh, that sucks. Well, that's kick ass, but oh, that sucks. I. Uh, you just reminded me that she's like comments she's like oh the horror of the deep uh just like how charybdis was probably like born of like legends of charybdis were born of actual whirlpools uh skilla was probably born of like a reef or like a rock outcropping like jagged rocks because those like a, a like a reef and those things could tear apart ships just brutally tear apart ships if you weren't careful like feeling like it comes out of nowhere all of a sudden so yeah the ocean is scary ocean is horrifying but i love it you're a pisces Uh, you would yeah you're an aquarius like what (laughs) i'm an air sign okay water bearer (laughs) as in i use it as a resource but i'm an air sign so i know what it's good for and we don't enter it anyway let's talk about other sea monsters (laughs) Yes, yeah. I think that could be fun. Try as I might. It was exceedingly difficult to find as as like iconic as Crypto and Scylla are as beasts from the Odyssey, they really don't appear a lot in in pop culture as like prominent figures. Again, the only one I can think of is they show up is Charybdis shows up in that time I got reincarnated as a slime. Please tell us about that. I really want to hear more about that. Um it shows up and it uh, embodies this guy who wants to kill a demon because the demon had, like, humiliated him. Mm. And so he's using the anger from Charybdis and the power. And so it's just causing devastation on its way to do this. And currently the demon's just kind of hanging out with the main character, the slime, Rimuru. The d- demon's a small child girl who's just kind of oh. vibing and enjoys the luxuries that, like, Rimuru has brought to this land. Because Rimuru has, you know knowledge of our world so he's bringing like refined sugars and right yeah and this is the plumbing slime and just yeah yeah and so she's just like hanging out it's like no this is great dude we're best friends just hanging out with him and uh she again bodies charybdis huh. and then the slime absorbs charybdis. oh right that's a thing that's <laughs> a thing he can do people like to argue that it's not broken it is <laughs> that sounds- if you are out there arguing that 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 the predator that the slime has is not broken. I want you to know you are wrong. It sounds hundred percent wrong. But yeah, that's a it's a busted ability, and that's the only other time that I've seen Charybdis by name. Uh, in in my research, the only times I could find very clear like Skilla beyond Smite was uh, apparently she's been in Castlevania. I wouldn't doubt it. Yep. Just, 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 I haven't played any Castlevania games. I've heard they're great, but I wouldn't doubt yep. it. She's portrayed as, you know, having the torso of a woman, three dog heads protruding from her waist down, and several Monterey-like eels called skillaworms instead of limbs. And I saw the picture, and it's terrifying. <laughs> so well done, Castlevania. Congratulations, Castlevania. Never- I'm going to talk about my favorite sea monster, Godzilla. <laughs> Hold on, I've got two more. Love Godzilla. <laughs> Hold on, I've actually got two more. Okay. So, but like, that's a great transition because you literally read my mind. So, <laughs> so in looking for retellings of Charybdis and Scylla, of all places, Arthur, the PBS show. <laughs> Season four, episode what? six, 1999. DW is retelling the Odyssey in an episode called DW Tale Spins. Mm-hmm. And just which the Odyssey. And so here is... Skilla, who's portrayed as like the queen bee of the class, and she's like you know Muffy with six heads, whereas Charybdis is the the face is like her brother just pulling everything in, and that's a decision that they made. 
Yeah, that's a little weird one. Here's a weirder one, though. 1954. A musical called The Golden Apple by John Latouche. I assume that's how you pronounce it. It looks French. (laughs) It retells Homeric epics, but set in the Edwardian era. Which what the fuck is the Edwardian it, era? It's the one after Victorian. So it's not the 1800s. You're now in the early 1900s. I, mean, I just want to peep it. Yep, you're good. <laughs> this shit looks goofy as fuck. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. It's uh, not quite as steampunky as Victorian era, but... Yeah, nobody, wants to fa- nobody wants to romanticize this era. I don't know. The current... Shadowhunter series that's coming out is set in the Edwardian era. So when I finally getting around to preparing myself for the angst of that series and reading it, I'm sure I'll be all in. The angst. I believe that series got a lot of. Angst. Oh, it's so much. And then, and then she here's what makes it really angsty though is that Cassandra Clare jumps like POVs, which I love, but it means that every single character is going through angst, and you just experience it with. All of them. And it's so delicious <laughs> because at the end it all comes together and everything's fucking great. Every single, uh-huh. all, this, all of these books end exactly the way I want to. I'm never dissatisfied with an ending. The journey getting there really puts me through the ringer. So these days I just wait for the series to finish and then I binge read them all. <laughs> but you still got to pre-order Understandable. them. Got to get them the day they come out to get those bonus stories. Yes, that one. Got it. You got it. No, it's up. So Edwardian Era, The Golden Apple, Act 2, Scene 5, Scylla and Charybdis are portrayed as shrewd businessmen representing the pitfalls of the capitalistic society. (laughs) I would love to see this play. I bet it's a hot mess, but I would love to see this play. Oh my god, it sounds honestly kind of fun. Right? So fucking weird. So fucking weird. I love that learning about weird things that were created in the past because creating play about Homeric epics set in the Edwardian era is fucking wild and I dig it. That's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. So those are all the things. Uh, The last one I had was just reading about Cryptus and Scylla. I wondered briefly, is this where that saying between a rock and a hard place comes from? Maybe. It's not. I looked it up. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) Some sources say it is. But other sources say it's actually from the 1930s during the Great Depression when uh, it was like the early 1900s, uh, Americans, a dispute between the copper miners and the mining companies over working conditions left the miners with two unpleasant choices. You know, continue to mine in the same terrible conditions, a rock, or be or end up unemployed, the hard place. So the yeah. phrase came to popular use in the Great Depression. Some sources will say that, like, yes, this was, like, between Charybdis and Scylla meant kind of the same thing and was used in ancient Greece. But is it the origin of the idiom? I don't know, but I looked it up. Who's to say? And so. Who's to say? Who's to say? I don't know, because none of the sources I found would acknowledge the other origin. And I like it when a source is like, some sources say this, but more evidence points to this. And so I didn't know who to trust. (laughs) <laughs> now, DJ. No, we're right. But we are correct. Yes, but we're the right one. Uh, hey, DJ. What's up? Is Godzilla a sea monster? Yes. Elaborate. He comes from the sea. Like, yeah. So Godzilla is, in like other stories, the embodiment of the Earth's hatred towards what we have done to the planet. However, in every single thing that he comes from, she, it, they. they, they come from, they always start in the ocean. It's not like it always rises up from a mountain. No, it comes from the ocean and they come and devastate it. And then they go back to the they ocean. Go back to the ocean. This is true. This is true. Because it, well, here's, here's the thing about Godzilla is that the origin of Godzilla is they were a creature that already existed, but was asleep beneath the waves and reawakened due to atomic activity on the planet Earth. Mm. And so that that's why I asked the question, is it too much? Just because Godzilla happened to be underneath the ocean when they were awakened doesn't necessarily mean that they are of the sea. Especially because looking at Godzilla, traditional Godzilla doesn't look like a sea monster. There's nothing aquatic about this boy. 
No, he just walks around down there. He doesn't need to be aquatic. It's so big, it just walks. There's no swimming. Yeah. But modern Godzilla can swim. Yeah. I mean, if we, like, even if we, if we decide to look back, like, what is, where did Godzilla truly come from Uh then? If that's the case, he was already at the waves, or under the waves, and he was awoken by the hydrogen bomb. What's going on there? Yeah. Let's see. Okay, you're like, okay. Godzilla. Not birthday, son of a bitch. (laughs) When's Godzilla's birthday? We should send him a card. Hey, uh, as of... November 3rd. (laughs) That's wild. Uh, did you know tomorrow is Percy Jackson's birthday? Oh, shit, it is. Like, yeah. Now, by the time this episode comes out, Percy Jackson's birthday will have been 13 days ago. Um, I feel like as a Percy Jackson podcast, we probably should have planned something, but uh, maybe next year. Wow, so it does show... There was a movie called The Birth of Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And... Godzilla-saurus. Okay. Before World War II, Godzilla was a huge theropod dinosaur called Godzilla-saurus, living with various other prehistoric creatures of the land. So he's a dinosaur. <laughs> Not a sea monster. I love that Godzilla-saurus. I'm sorry. I still can't get over that. That's hilarious to me. Okay. Because that tracks. Because in 1966, a movie came out called Godzilla vs. Sea Monster. Which implies that Godzilla himself is not a sea monster. Oh, he was just a he was a creature that hung out on Lagos Island Ooh. with a bunch of other dinosaurs. And World War II is what revealed it and made him angry. That's fair. That's fair. World War II makes me angry too. The Japanese dropped a bomb in the island and killed most of the life. So Godzilla is like, you know what? Fuck you. And he goes and destroys Japan. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) movie about survivors getting revenge on a society that dropped an atomic bomb on them. I can see why Japan would maybe make that movie. (laughs) Oh, they tested out a fucking hydrogen bomb on Lagos Island. Mm. Yikes. Okay. That's pretty broad. Yeah, it is. Shit, okay. Oh, oh. Oh. His original ship, he was a Tyrannosaurus, and the radiation from the hydrogen bomb turned him into the Godzillasaurus. That makes sense. I I will accept that. I, I mean, it makes sense After as a movie monster plot. After by multiple lightning strikes. Why? Why lightning? Also lightning on top of a hydrogen bomb. <laughs> on top of the on top of the nuclear fallout from the hydrogen bomb. Multiple. <laughs> nuclear test of a hydrogen bomb uh-huh. then struck by lightning multiple times turned him he he died brought back to life as the godzilla source did zeus turn the dinosaur into the godzilla source is that what the lightning was just like he turned charybdis what? into the whirlpool oh my god dude that is wild god i love godzilla lore we should have Lucy on I to talk love about this it. Godzilla lore. Let's do a bonus episode on Godzilla. I'm still gonna check out the newest, the new Godzilla stuff. It's fun. Yeah, the newest one's fun. Annoying. I mean, the Godzilla Kong fights are super fun, and I can do without everything else. <laughs> which is how I feel about most modern Godzilla movies. So sea monsters, though. Sea monsters. Uh, I pull up a list. Twenty fascinating sea monsters. Oh, yo! I I think we're on the same list. The portalist. I got a weird one. I wouldn't Which one? call it my favorite, but um, it's called the Sea Bishop. <laughs> I just passed that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Uh, the Sea Bishop. I'm just going to read the direct quote. We will link to this article in the show notes, y'all. According to yes. Sea Monster Myth and Legends, the Sea Bishop or Bishop Fish was caught and taken to the King of Poland, who showed it to a group of Catholic bishops. When the bishops released the creature, it made the sign of the cross before disappearing back into the waves. The bishop fist is it, and here's where we describe what it looks like. And I feel like this sentence, this paragraph, should have come first. The bishop <laughs> fish is a type of fish that looks like a man, specifically like a Catholic bishop. Whilst other variations include the sea monk, a fish that looks like a monk. Later experts came to the conclusion that the sea monk was probably an angle shark, a type of shark known to look as a monk fish. And it appeared in various volumes 
Uh, it's been associated with the imagery of the half-human, half-fish sages known as Akualu in ancient Mesopotamian mythology. I mean, it's a weird fucking fish. Weird fucking fish. Bishop, fish. Bishop fish is a weird fish. Another reason right. to stay out of the water. Yeah. Uh, I liked the Leviathan. Fuck, I love the Leviathan. God, I, I love I just like, Book of Revelations Leviathan. Yeah, I am just going to go ahead and do the same thing you did and just give this direct quote of the first, do it. right? Of the, the, just the first paragraph. Hebrew in origin, this terrifying sea monster is often drawn and described, or is often drawn and described as being a water reptilian of some sort. Immensely large in size, the Leviathan appears in the Old Testament as a sea monster with multiple heads. In this scene, God kills the creature and offers its carcass for food as the Hebrews. That is, Damn. Uh, that's a fight that I want to see that's on the screen. Fucking t- right? I forget God that- versus the Leviathan. That's sick. Listen, I, well, I don't think it's versus the Leviathan. God just smites the Leviathan, but right, I, he just straight up. We, we, I still want to see listen, that. We often say Norse mythology is the most metal, and yes, this is true. But the Old Testament gets metal as fuck. The Old Testament gets fuck goes a little too hard in my opinion. Sometimes I'm like, ooh, settle down there, Old Testament. <laughs> Hold on a second. Oh Jesus. Uh, I'm not learning from there. the creation of the world. Now we got a fucking Leviathan. Why'd you do that, God? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, who's what's the monster in the New Testament? Is that that's not the Leviathan, or does the Leviathan not the New Testament? The Book of Revelation. Well, still the New Testament. Book of Revelations. Does the Leviathan come back? Is the son of Leviathan? The monster in the Book of Revelations. Mm-hmm. There's like a is like a crazy monster in the Book of Revelations. Is it a dragon? Uh, the beast. Oh, just the beast. Okay, yeah, tight, whatever. Like Nero. The f- first beast comes out of the sea and is given authority, power by the dragon. The first beast is initially mentioned in Revelation eleven seven as coming out of the abyss. Okay, who would win in a fight, the first beast or Leviathan? Uh, hold on, I'm looking up drawings of this beast. <laughs> he looks like a bitch. <laughs> Leviathan. Uh, first of all, he was given his power by somebody else. Leviathan was born with his power. True, true, true. So also, it's like Leviathan's a sorcerer a way versus cooler warlock. name than the beast. Are you kidding me? It's got that V in it. And then the th sound with the V. Like, that's a bold move yeah, and it Leviathan, works Leviathan, dude. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a sick name. God, I love names that just, that sound good to say that Leviathan. Fuck yeah, you are. I don't know what you want, yeah. but sure. I'm just looking at, like, how they described the beast. But, like, again, these images, it's just, like, this weird multi-headed lion thing. I'm not the biggest fan of its design. <laughs> Let's critique biblical design. Yeah. I have uh, some questions from for St. Peter. So this list has the lion turtle from Avatar on there. I saw that. That's an interesting one. I I guess, like, they, they it also has Gyarados on here. Let's be real here. I, I, so here's the thing. And... Yes, this list is fascinating. Go check it out. We're not going to talk about everyone on this list, but it's got some great food for thought. Because Gyarados, yes, sea monster. Absolutely sea monster. Lion turtle, though? I know. A lion turtle is a sea. It's a sea. It's technically a monster. It's a, it's a beast, yes, yes. But we could it's call all the creatures of... Uh, and it's a, it's, it's a myth to, like, everybody. It is. Yes, I guess it is. Up until Aang comes, like, we hear it been mentioned. Mm-hmm. Up until Aang comes across it, it's just a myth. Okay. Okay. So is is interesting. Interesting. Is that necessary to something being considered a sea monster? Does it need a myth? Absolutely not. The giant squid is a fucking sea monster. And and now we're back to Darian's afraid of the ocean. Thank you. I am deathly afraid of, of giant squids. Uh, I'm most afraid of them when I'm in hotel pools. Couldn't tell you why. <laughs> Couldn't tell you why. I'm in a hotel pool. Definitely think of the giant squid's coming to get me. <laughs> Glass shock. <laughs> we can't reference other podcast bits on our podcast. That's so gauche. God damn it. Hotel pools are scariest bodies of water, I think. Are they? Next to like murky ponds or murky lakes that you can't see the bottom of. I would say a canal is. Oh, shit. Canals just murder water. Yeah. 
Canals are just murder water. You jump in there, your foot's in that mud, you're, you're done. Done. Fuck. Okay. So the act, the truest sea I monster is the sea the itself. The only thing that I wouldn't swim in is the canal. I will not swim in That's the canal. That's smart. D- hey, kids. I. Our father, burn this into our brain. We live near a canal. Don't swim in a canal. Dad is Do not swim in a canal. Terrified of us getting in canals. Fair he, reason. I'm pretty sure he. I'm pretty sure I remember heard like story of his that a buddy of his got stuck in a fucking I'm sure I'm sure that happened a lot yeah that's like why and I'm like don't swim in a canal it's perfectly reasonable don't swim in a canal I've seen our stats on Spotify we do have some listeners that are apparently according to their Spotify profiles under 17 so kids stay out of canals I'm sure don't swim in a fucking canal I'm sure you have much better things to do you have way more ways to entertain yourself than needing to swim in a canal but just in case no one has ever told you don't get in a canal. Yeah. If, if no one's told you to not swim in a canal, they don't have the experience of our father, which was, don't swim in a canal, your foot will get caught in the mud jumping in. Mm-hmm. Don't swim in a fucking canal. Also, our dad is just terrified of everything, also, in regards to us. was relatively paranoid for a lot of things for us growing there, up. We have, where there were four of us. Odds were not in our favor of all of us making out of no, the lives. So we uh, shockingly yeah, beat the odds. Yeah. But we had some demigod odds up against us, and we... Managed to fight through. Wild. So the sea is the real monster. The sea is a... I mean, yeah, the sea is a monster. I will absolutely go and play in the sea, (laughs) but the sea is a monster. Let's see. Wear your your, your, uh, life jackets, kids. That's another one. Buckle the life jackets. I know it doesn't feel cool, but you know what's less cool than life jackets? Dying. 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 Drowning. Fucking dying. Yeah. Jormungandr, that's another fun Yeah, do we want to get into like Love other other mythology? Because I know we've been talking about just general like folklore pop culture, but I'm down for like, let's briefly touch on some other mythologies. We'll definitely deep- Jormungandr's in Smite. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It's also in Magnus Chase and the Gods of Asgard, which we will get there, but let's talk about him right now. Fucking giant world serpent. Giant world serpent biting his tail. It's so Love your Gunder, dude. Holy shit. Fucking love it. I love... Oh, can we talk about Magnus Chase for just a hot second? Go ahead. I just... I love... And this is so brief. I love that scene where they see Gunder in the water and just Magnus with dawning horror realizing the scale of this beast and like, oh, yeah. this is what As he I has it against. tied to the fucking... To a fucking fishing pole? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was fishing Jormungandr out of the water, yeah. and he's like, "I've, I fucked up. I fucked up." It's just what <laughs> if he could have, if, if Rick could have called it that chapter, that chapter one hundred percent would have just been called "I fucked up." I fucked up. Or they're always in present tense, so I fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like that. Oh man! Like okay, so it's like the opposite of of uh polyphemus where i'm like i don't believe the scale of you like i don't understand how big you're supposed to be i understand exactly how big your is supposed to be and it's I, terrifying i understand it i cannot comprehend it <laughs> I, a motherfucker is coiled thousands of times on the seafloor not just wrapping around the world once he is coiled hundreds or thousands of times <laughs> on the seafloor he is Stay out of the ocean. Massive. He is meant to kill Thor at the end of Ragnarok. Not a lot of shit could do that. Not a lot of shit that could do that. Ugh. Hey, when we're done with Percy Jackson, do you want to do Magnus Chase next? Yeah, hey, not? we've done with the plan. Okay, you heard it here first. Five years, Magnus Chase. Five years. I mean, eh, honestly, maybe less. It's not like it's taken us that long to get through this. Ah, we'll see. I like to. I like to. So every book is a year. In Star Trek: Next Generation, Scotty once told Jordy that, "Well, when you're fixing the ship, you should always tell the captain it's going to take way longer than it needs to do, so we can do it in half the time." You look like a goddamn genius. <laughs> and that's what I like to do. Always overestimate that's the fair. timeline. That's fair. Uh, I've got one. One more on this list, but like this uh, from like mythology, and I'm I'm gonna butcher this this creature's name, the Yumibozu, which is a Japanese sea a- monster. That I'm just looking at this this image we have, which just is of like 
some sort of like, I don't know if it's a woodcut, it's some sort of like traditional Japanese art of like sailors and the ship being thrown around the ocean and just this massive black silhouette with just big eyes staring down at the sailor. And you can tell the sailor's more afraid of it than it is of the ocean waves chopping at its ship. Now, so the umibozu, which if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I apologize, super didn't prep. Feel free to tweet at us and tell me the right way to pronounce this because I would love to be able to drop this bad boy in conversation. So this is a giant, shadowy, humanoid-like monster. So it's basically just a massive... Giant. Like, parallel, like, sleep paralysis demon, but in the water. Yeah, it's just, and it's just standing up. It is just standing up in the water. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's swimming in the water. It is standing up in the middle just of the Pacific. Standing, not swimming. Its arms are, it's not, yeah, it's, its arms are down, but not, shoulders are far enough that you can tell it's not like treading water. It's just standing there, too fucking big. Yeah, and this real big, real massive. And this has got some, iconic Japanese mythology surrounding this bad boy. When a Yumibozu appears, they will either immediately attack a ship and drown the entire crew, or ask for a barrel from the ship's supply as an offering. And if the crew complies and hands over the barrel, sometimes the Yumibozu will spare the ship. But only sometimes. Because the only way to actually ensure safe travel away from the sea monster is to give them a bottomless barrel, which will leave the creature confused. Because it's like, where, where's, where is it? And then you can get away before it realizes it's been tricked. I don't know how you get away with a giant ocean sleep paralysis demon like this motherfucker right here. But who knows? Bottomless barrel. It's actually, it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, I am currently in the midst of reading One Piece. Oh, oh, you you caved. Yeah, I cave. I live with Johnny, of course. I <laughs> and I, I'm also just like a sucker for people wanting to talk about something. I no, I do get right? that because I feel that. Yeah, I just want to talk about. The I one hundred like, and so I've done it like with other friends, and so I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. And so I've started reading it, and something like this fucking appeared. <laughs> oh shit! Well, yeah, it's Japanese story. About pirates in the ocean. I would be shocked if you yeah. never saw this so bad like boy. like three shadowy giants showed up. Three of them. Ah, oh, how'd and you I, survive? Three of them. Yeah. Uh, they just like disappeared. That's worse. Holy <laughs> they, shit. I think there were worse. two ships. There are two ships. One of them was destroyed and then it was just, then it was gone. Uh, and so like, I'm not far enough to where they have explained that. <laughs> That's not happened. a thing that they have explained. It has just happened, so th- and that, so that happened happens frequently. Oh, frequently. Wait, what? So no, no, no. They, they these things don't show up frequently. Oh, okay, but stuff like just just happen, mm. and then they don't explain it. That happens a lot. Uh, you, you and Johnny should do a One Piece podcast. Yeah, we'll probably we'll probably talk about it. He he says he listens to podcasts about One Piece that are like theory podcasts. What a fucking nerd! Holy shit! I don't blame him. What are you talking about? <laughs> No, I mean, we do that. There's a lot to theorize. No, no, no. Like, but we do that, too. I just, like. Yeah. I love how Johnny sometimes will pretend that he's, like, moved past that stage of his life. But if you just literally scratch the first layer of paint, and you discover it's not real paint. It's like someone has just stapled a piece of paper to the wall. All that weeaboo shit is still there. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, Johnny doesn't even try to hide the fact that he's, like, past that, honestly. Like, I sit down and I watch different animes with him all the time. Which, you gotta say... Awesome. I love Liv John. It's such a blast. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to hear that. Yes, that is that is very good. I don't mean like hides it as in like, I feel like he has like a chameleon persona where he like presents to the world like, nah, <laughs> anime, what is that? But if you ask him just the right question, he breaks instantly. He cannot, he, he's like, it is disguised self, but this cantrip is so weak. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more along the lines of he's not going to openly flaunt it. True. But if you ask him about it, he's going to be like, yeah, I like anime. anime. But here's the thing. It was great. You see One Piece? You don't even know. But here, here's here's the thing. It's like, oh yeah. See, but see the way you just described it. It seems that Johnny can be chill about it. Johnny cannot be chill about it. No, he can't. He cannot be fucking chill. He's about very it. excited about his anime. Which fair? It's fun to watch, and I'm happy for him. Happy you guys are talking. It's a blast. About it. I'm glad you are doing it, so he'll stop badgering the rest of us. <laughs> I'm glad you offered yourself yeah. as tribute. I'm like, I'm a quarter of the way to catching up. So. 
it's pretty good so far. Honestly, I've actually I've, I've been sitting there like, man, why have I been sleeping on One Piece? I mean, I believe it's good. It's also just like it's fucking stellar. Long. It's just a, it's just a, it's a it's a big time commitment, and yo, I got That's shit funny. to do. Like, it's like I'm sitting there like, man, this is long. Meanwhile, one of the fucking manga that was keeping up so long ago is like 400 chapters longer than it. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be like that. So we've been talking about One Piece for like a while. I think the episode's probably over. Episode's over. Do you have any other? Because uh, I don't got anything. I don't have any other sea monsters, honestly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Curtis and Skilla. I enjoyed talking about sea monsters and reminding myself why I'm terrified of open water and fish. The ocean. Man, I love the ocean. Yep. Horrified of it, Horrified but I love it. it. Oh, you know what? Hold on, hold on. I want to go back. I've got one more sea monster I want to talk about, and it's catfish. Is, oh. Yeah, the cat, catfish are fucking catfish horrifying. Are fuck, when, they can just grow. They can just, they can just grow. A catfish grow. can get big enough to swallow a human adult just in a gulp. Don't even have to chew. Yep. And they live in muddy rivers. Lobsters can go pretty big, too. Yeah, we talked about lobsters, I think. Yeah, probably. Uh, I think we were just like texting back and forth, but it might have been an episode. I don't remember. There's yeah, lob- we did talk about lobsters. They, they could just, the they could just keep growing. Yeah, they could just keep fucking growing. But they die because they expend too much energy molting their shell. Yep, yep. I can't believe that we ended two episodes in a row talking about how I'm afraid of fish. That's what happens. When like, <laughs> Maybe you should just stop being afraid of fish, Darren. Maybe they should stop being actual living monsters, Davis what happens when gravity doesn't hold you down anyway the episode is now over the episode is in fact <laughs> over thank you all for listening uh, thank you for spending thank your you time so with us if there's one thing you should take away from this it's don't swim in canals don't swim in canals no that's that's it that's that's the biggest takeaway we'd like to say don't swim in canals keep bottomless barrels on don't tap canals. fucking buckle your life jacket wear your life jackets come on buckle it just buckle it you'll be fine yep sunscreen stay hydrated all right. So have a good day, and uh, <laughs> so our, our, yeah, and have a good day. Thank you all so much for for hanging out with us. Thank you for spending your time with us as we talk about we do appreciate mythology, it. and then inevitably veer into our weird childhood bullshit. Like, ah, thanks for hanging out. Come share. Yeah, Did your great. parents freak out about canals, or is this the first time you're hearing about it? Let us know on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. I'd love to just know if this was a universal experience, or was it just us. I don't think it was. I'm pretty sure I know a couple of people who just swam in canals. That's insane. Okay, we have to end this episode before we literally get swept up like we're in a canal. (laughs) So we will see you all back here again on Tuesday, September 14th. We'll be talking about that sorceress, goddess, witchy woman, Cersei. Yep. And until next time. Don't be like Zeus. Don't be like Zeus. Podcast of Poseidon is created and hosted by Darian and DJ Smart. It's edited by Darian Smart. The show is produced by Darian and DJ Smart, as well as... Tim O'Connor. The Crystal Con Man. Our music is Athens Festival by Martin Hain. And our cover art is by Audrey Miller. You can find her on Instagram at Bombshell Nutshell Art. Like the show? Ready for more? Support Podcast Poseidon on Patreon. Just $1 gets you exclusive bonus content. Find out more at patreon.com slash podcast Can't spare the drachmas? You can support the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by sharing us with your friends. Find all of our episodes and episode transcripts at podcastofposeidon.com. Thanks for listening. 